Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to Never Heard of It, a Night Shift Radio original. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review if you're so inclined. For more information, visit nightshiftradio.com. So I had mentioned this to you uh, just a second ago, but I do want to preface for those of you uh, who are watching live on Twitch right now, twitch.tv slash Fight. If you guys ever want to watch a live recording of a show, twitch.tv slash Fight. Um, but for those of you listening, uh, I'm expecting a package and I thought it would have been here by now. Typically packages, uh, in this, in this neighborhood arrive anywhere between 12 and two. Um, it is now four 30 my time. Um, so it's not here yet, but it still says that it was going to arrive today. So at any moment I may just have to like jump up and go get my package, uh, but uh, <laughs> jump up and grab my package. Um, <laughs> boxes and tags. But, uh, you know, uh, Caleb's the other host. He, he can handle the show just fine. It's fine. All it by happens. himself. He's a big kid. <laughs> I'm so alone. <laughs> um, I have a question. Yeah. What can I do with over 3,000 Night Shift Radio Towers? Oh, uh, in the chat, um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I was like, this is a setup to a joke that I'm not aware of. Um, so you can, uh, you rooster. can cash. The- <laughs> okay. So what do you do with three? Th- um, uh, yeah. So you can cash them in to do a bunch of different things. You can like highlight a message to make sure that I, I see it like, you uh-huh. know, isolated in a chat. You can okay. unlock a random, uh, subscriber only emote for uh-huh. a certain period of time. Um, you can send a message in something, um, and, uh, 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 oh, you can choose an emote to, uh, share, or you can modify a single emote, which I have no idea what that means. Mm, maybe um, we find out sometime. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so those, those are all like those sub points that Twitch introduced in which you, like the longer you watch a show, like you get, you know, cool things. It's basically, I guess, a way to, um, like encourage people to watch longer, uh, I, I, you know. I remember uh, R.I.P. Mixer. Uh, I remember that uh, had a, a similar feature that I noticed when I joined, and it kind of gamified it for me. Gamified a gaming platform. Uh, <laughs> Go <laughs> figure. Like, oh, I want to watch for longer because I'm getting more of these points. I don't know what they do, but I'm getting more of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I think the one thing that Twitch did that was smart 
is after Mixer um, disbanded, which was about a year ago, actually. Um, uh, So I think the smartest thing that Twitch did was to take some of the cool ideas from Mixer and start integrating them. So there's like animated emotes, um, you know, the channel sub points, and there's a couple other things that they're bringing. Um, And I think that that's really fucking smart. Like that's really smart of them to, uh, to do because those are the things that people really liked about Mixer. Now, granted, there was things that Twitch will never be able to emulate, uh, that that people liked about Mixer was you know the the community aspect of it and you know the small feel and and that kind of stuff but um mm-hmm. you know that's you know that's not something that Twitch is going to be able to to get back it's just far too big at this point to yeah. to ever make it feel small um, yeah. as a whole you know maybe individual communities will feel small but Twitch itself is just a fucking monster really yeah. I'm a motherfucking monster. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you may notice that uh, I'm a little soggy. I do notice I this. I'm aware. I did change my shirt, though. That was that was a smart move. That was good. Um, yeah. I, I messaged you that uh, we decided to quickly grab lunch across the street, and uh, you know, we finished watching the movie, and Ellen was like, do you want to grab lunch? I was like, yeah, sure. And then I looked at the time. I was like, uh, yeah, we can probably do this. Yeah. And then we sat down, and there was like 15 minutes left to our... Uh, recording time and i was like let's you know let's bump it back to be safe and almost would have made it honestly because they're pretty quick and you know we don't usually dilly dally eating um finish what we're doing and get the hell out uh but then (laughs) this fantastic storm rolled through and i was sitting i had a a clear shot out the window straight to one of the uh, taller buildings in the city uh the the eagleton courthouse uh, which is this big metal dome that once, uh, when living in my, my first downtown apartment, uh, I got to see lightning hit that, and that was pretty cool looking because uh, it's got this big, like, it's like a copper dome or something like that. Um, but anyway, I had a, a clear shot of that, and a couple minutes after the uh, the wind really picked up and then the rain started, I could no longer see the building. <laughs> Whoa. It was just like a curtain of uh, yeah. darkness I, and rain. Mind you, this is like... Probably less than 10 blocks away. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, jeez. And so uh, yeah, we, we tried to wait it out, but then I looked at the radar. I'm like, we're going to be in this until well after the time that uh, we're supposed to be recording. So I was like, you know what? It's across the street. We'll make it. And we got soggy. It didn't. It wasn't. Hey, you know what? Actually, it was kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to say it wasn't. <laughs> if I, <laughs> not going to lie. If to I didn't you. have you know my phone in my pocket and somewhere to be, I would have enjoyed it a little bit more. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, was a little yeah. bummed though because she had a, a brand new pair of uh, Burks that she got on her oh, Chicago no. trip, and she's like, "No, my shoes." <laughs> <laughs> That's <nice. laughs> um, yeah. So conversely, uh, it is currently in the uh, low 90s uh, here uh, where yeah. I am on the East Coast. Um, and I know both the East Coast and the West Coast are being hit by uh, crazy uh, heat waves. Uh, yeah. A few of my friends live in Seattle, and it's like over a hundred there. And I guess it Which, like never gets over a hundred there. So no. they're like most people in apartment buildings don't have air conditioning because like we've never needed it before. And yeah. like this is bad. <laughs> yeah, I honestly like Seattle would be my ideal like summer home area. Like yeah, you go there to get away from how like shitty it is here, where sure. it's like you know hundred plus degrees and hundred percent humidity, and it's just soupy. You know, you go there and you know, get the the fresh air and the the more mild temperatures, and yeah, it's going to be warm, 
one up. But yeah, whatever. Uh, but that might be a thing of the past at this point. Like, uh, if you know, if we don't do something, you know, we the collective we uh, as a as a species don't do something soon. Uh, Seattle might not be a pleasant summer destination anymore. <laughs> No, uh, no, mm. it will not. You know, what would uh, might be good is if somebody traveled back in time mm. and uh, fixed that. And that being said, hello and welcome <laughs> to the Never Heard of a Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight, And I am my own grandpa. <laughs> you know, Michael, some things, just, <laughs> some things just can't be fixed. It's just fate. It's destiny. It's, you might even say predestined. You might even say, you, some might say that, one might say that. Um, might say. So now I do want to preface about this. Um, we will absolutely spoil the shit out of this movie. Yes. And we kind of already did, but we are going to spoil the fuck out of this movie really, really badly. And we are going to completely blow away the entire twist endings uh, to this film. So this is your warning. If you are listening to this episode or if you're watching on twitch.tv and you have not watched Predestination starring Ethan Hawke, uh, and you don't want to be spoiled, now is the time to stop. Um, go watch the movie. It's available streaming uh, for free on Tubi TV, as well as, mm -hmm. I'm sure, some other places, but I watched it on Tubi TV for free. Um, uh, but now is the time to leave because it's a good twist, albeit confusing as fuck. It's a good twist. Oh. Now is your time. See, what I didn't realize when we started this uh, is that we were going to be discussing a zombie movie. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, we need to acknowledge, okay, so we're, uh, this week we're discussing the movie Predestination, yeah. uh, which was, what, 2012? It's fairly Earlier? recently. Um. Where did Where I see it? it? Where is it? 2014. 2014. So yep. reasonably recent film. Uh, I vaguely remember it coming out in theaters. Um, fun fact, it did not do well. Uh, overall, it looks like it almost made back its budget. So it was almost a wash, like, you know, global box office whatnot. But opening yeah. weekends were terrible. Uh, but this movie was actually requested by two different listeners. Uh, so both Kevin and Brendan, thank you both so much for, for listening or for requesting this. Uh, we're stoked to be talking about it and, uh, we're stoked to be using this to, to kick off an entire theme month. Uh, and you know, spoiler, it's going to be a time travel month because hey. you know, we fucking love those. We fucking <laughs> love those. And my God, is it now I do, I vaguely remember, uh, hearing about this movie and I'll be honest, I'm not a big Ethan Hawke fan. And I think I said this the last time, Ethan, didn't we just you have did. Ethan Hawke in a movie? He was in Lord of War. Lord of War, that's right. And I remember being like, meh. I, I mean, I don't hate, like, I don't hate Ethan Hawke. Like, whenever I see a movie with Ethan Hawke, I'm like, ah, fucking Ethan Hawke. I'm just like, oh, Ethan Hawke. I just don't I, think of him. Yeah. I, I just <laughs> forget he forget he's, exists. Right. Uh, but, like, yeah, I, I, I have no issue with him. I, I've, I, I think his performances in the last two movies that I've watched him in have been fine. Um, one might even say borderline good. Uh, yeah. no, not borderline. They were good. Uh, <laughs> he's good in this. He's, he's good in this movie. Yeah. Uh, but like, I couldn't name you anything else that he's in without looking up, looking him up on IMDb. Yeah. You know who, uh, Ethan Hawke and Josh Hartnett, I get them confused a lot because I feel uh -huh. like they came out right around the same time and they both have that like middle yeah. part. I'm good looking question that, mark, like, like look about them. Late nineties heartthrob. Yeah. All right. So he's in the the before series, which I guess there's a potential for another one of those coming out that before too much long. 
So before yep. sunrise, before sunset, before midnight. Um, I'm not familiar with those. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're rom-coms. That's right up your alley. Uh, that's really upsetting that I but don't I mean, know that these exist. They might not be comedies. They're, they're, they maybe they're romantic dramas. I don't know. I just know oh, that they're okay. a, a whole like series. Uh, he's in Training Day. Yeah, I knew that. Oh, at the Good Lord Bird. Uh, mm-hmm. More recently on on TV. Yeah. Um, wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So he, he's he's. I mean. Oh, fuck. Juliet naked. Oh, he was right, Tucker right, Cray. Right. Yeah. So like yeah okay so. He's really good in in these really good movies. But just fucking forget about him. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Uh, I feel shitty about that. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so that's the thing about him is that like he's he's a he's an accomplished actor. He's been in some really good things, but I just forget. Like, yeah. he he's just because he's like. He's not in the news. Like he, he's not, you know, a scandal person. He doesn't do a lot of touring. He's not like social media heavy. Like yeah. he'll just show up and you're like, oh, right. Fucking <laughs> Ethan Hawke. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, like was, that's uh, who he is. I just had his profile open and I closed it, but I want to see like what the most recent. So he's, oh shit. He's uh, supposed to be cast in the, the upcoming Moon Knight series, which is dope. And he's got a, uh, a few movies dope. in uh, either production or post-production or like ready to go. Uh, but looks like most recently, uh, obviously I mentioned the, the good Lord bird and he was, uh, Tesla in a, in a movie about said uh, Tesla. Yeah, I remember that. I do remember seeing that, but I haven't seen that movie. I think I have it queued up it's, somewhere uh, to watch. Also a, a recent adaptation of waiting for Godot. Oh, all right. Yeah. So, that's, all right. so he's still, he's still currently active. Yeah. And you know, a couple of years from now, we're going to be talking about a movie with him. Be like, what? What is he in again? <laughs> what, who is this guy? I don't. He was good. Like, what else is he in? <laughs> early 2090s. Uh, so outside of Ethan Hawke, uh, this movie uh, also stars um, Sarah Snook, um, who has uh, she's been in a few things. Uh, I, you know, I recognize her. She was in the Steve Jobs film. Um, she was in The Dressmaker. She was in uh, the Sleeping Beauty uh, remake. But mm. most people currently were, will know her from Secession. Uh, she is um, Shivroy in uh, Succession. Okay. Um, oh. so, she was in An American Pickle. Yep. Uh, which was of a woman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, she's, and she does, has done some voiceover work. And then another person is uh, uh, Noah Taylor. Um, yeah. Noah Taylor has been in a few things. You might, you know, he was in uh, Vanilla Sky, Almost Famous. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shine, The Life Aquatic, which is a great yep. film. Uh, he was in the show The Preacher as Hitler. Um, he's <laughs> uh, he's Fibs in Paddington 2. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I think... I got to go all the way back here. I think he was in the Power Rangers movie. Oh, maybe. I got I to gotta look this up. Uh, I don't think I can go... I don't know when that was. It had to have been late 90s, right? Yeah, I don't think he was. Anyways, he looked like the dude in the Power Rangers movie, uh, but alas, he is not. Um, And then this movie was uh, written and directed by the Spearrig brothers, uh, Michael and Peter. Um, And uh, they uh, are, uh, most notably, they did the Jigsaw movie um, just a couple of years ago, uh, a film that came out uh, two years ago or three years ago called Winchester. um, Oh, yeah. And Um, uh, Daybreakers, which is a great fucking movie. Which uh, was it Sarah Snook? Was that what her name was? Sarah uh, Snook was yeah. She was uh, in Winchester as well. Yep, she's in Winchester as well. Yeah, um, yeah. So they so about, they've done a few uh, things. 
about Mrs. Winchester who built the the famous mansion uh, in San Jose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I that's actually interesting. I want to watch that. Uh, watch that. Yeah. Um, so first off, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have a, a couple of uh, points that I I, I want to say before we get too far into this. I one. Uh, I love that you, you're calling attention to how uh, confusing and convoluting the plot was because it made complete sense to me the entire time. And I actually had most of it figured out uh, pretty early on. Uh, there was a couple twists that like I caught just before they were revealed. Um, the baby was the only one that yeah. got me. <clears throat> Which as soon as that happened, I was like, ah! Yeah. I was uh, like, this is the thing. But so I had a bit of an advantage. Uh, it was about halfway through when I was like, this really feels a lot like a story that I read. And I want to know, like, you know, do they like, do they reference that as like an inspiration or something like that? Or does anybody like compare it? So I opened up INDB and I was poking around the trivia and turns out it's literally based on this story, uh, yeah. which was a short story slash novella by Robert Heinlein called All You Zombies. And so I had read that story. I own it. I was actually just trying to redownload it uh, on Apple Books. Uh, right before we started recording, uh, but I have to authorize this computer and I, like it's a bunch of bullshit, so I'm not going to do it right now. <laughs> but all that said, like I've read the story, and so like in, in the back of my mind, this plot line already existed. And so as it started to like to progress, there was a point where I was like, "Shit, this is literally all you zombies," <laughs> <laughs> and I was right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there is a, a subplot uh, of a. Uh, of a like a serial bomber uh, that was added just for the movie that didn't exist in, in the original novella, uh, which, which actually is I really think interesting. It's really interesting, and I I actually really like what it adds to it. It's, it's one of those things where like uh, the rare case where a movie deviating from its source material uh, I think was a win. So yeah, I mean, having not read the story, um, you know, I I can't say whether it would have been better without it. I thought it was yet another interesting layer um, on all of this. And, and, you know, I will say that this is um, this is a really good movie. So we have done several Robert Heinlein uh, films before, right? Like, have yeah. we not done a couple? Um, we've I done two. So, uh, well, technically we've done several. Uh, yeah. More recently we did start, uh, Puppet Masters. Yes, uh, that's right. I knew, which, I was like, I can't think of the other film that we just did. Um, but then going way back, we, uh, did for, uh, my, my first, uh, birthday episode, uh, we did the various Starship Troopers, uh, movies, um, right. which actually I, I have just recently started rereading the book, uh, curious cause, uh, more recently there's been a, a lot of discussion about like, you know, Starship Troopers is a story, uh, really like glorifying and like propping up the, the, um, the, uh, virtues of fascism and all this stuff and how, you know, people take the, the wrong lessons from it and you right. know, how Verhoeven like read it and was like, well, I'm going to really just like super parody this and make it camp. And like, you know, cause I lived through this in real life. So I'm going to you know, show it for, you know, the, the, the stink underneath the shine that it is and all these things, which are all very valid points, but I, I wanted to reread it to think, to, to get a handle on like, that's not what I took away from the story. And we talked about that way back in that episode. Yeah. But I was curious, like, was I right? 
Uh, and so I'm about halfway through. And so far, I think that I'm still right in, in the way that I remember it. But I'm curious, like, as it, as it goes on. There's definitely a little bit of, like, glorifying militarism. Uh, but, I mean, Heinlein was, uh, like, he, he was in the Navy. He went to uh, Naval Academy in Annapolis. He served for, I think it was, like, five years in the Pacific before he was out, out on, like, medical reasons or something. Um, but so, like, having that background... It, it's not surprising that he would write a lot of military-based uh, sci-fi, and honestly, like that, like that era of sci-fi. Also, I mean, I shouldn't even say that era. Sci-fi in general has a lot of militarism in it. So, um, well, it I is mean, what yeah. it is. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> definitely some some like uh, some some blatant misogyny uh, and, and other things like that. But kind of to be expected from authors of that time. Not to be excused, but to be expected. Uh, although it's, I think, less than I remember it being, uh, and certainly less, though, than my uh, my le- more recent read-through of uh, Asimov stuff, uh, mm. which was like, you know, it's not, uh, it's like when when an old man is, like, just a little bit, like, creepy-friendly to a woman, and you're like, mm, Thanks a lot, no. sweetheart. It's, yeah, it's like that yeah. kind of, like, hey, yeah. dame, how's it well, going? It's, like, it's oh. just enough where it's, like, it's just, eh, just it's enough to like, make it, like, mm. I, I'm uncomfortable with this, but uh, it's not, like... But, like, I shouldn't need to yell at you about it, but yeah. still, yeah. It's not like, you know, women are incapable. It's like, ah, oh, let me protect you, skirt. Right, right. <laughs> so it's it's that kind of shit. Yeah. Um, but anyway, totally off topic. I, I started rereading it. So, like, Heinlein's been, like, you know, for, like forefront of my mind again recently. Uh, so it's really funny and coincidental that that's who wrote the, the source material for this movie. That's who wrote this. So I'll, I'll show you the book that I'm reading currently. Oh, um, oh. And... If you guys know me, you know. If you know, you know. Then I'm a big old softie, and I love romantic comedies. Yes, uh, that's so true. So I am actually—I put my headphones on backwards, but I'm actually reading uh, *Marriage Vacation*. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> this, and it's—it's <laughs> <laughs> it's actually based on. Uh, it, so there's this TV show called *Younger*. Um, and, uh, younger is, uh, uh, it's also based off a, off a, a book series, but, uh, younger is basically, it's a TV series in which, uh, a woman in her forties, uh, gets divorced. You know, she has a kid about to go off to college and, and because of the circumstance of the life that she lived, she, she didn't really have time. She basically put her life on hold in order to, you know, raise a kid and, you know, the, the husband was, you know, a, a dentist and he was like, you know, you know, taking care of the family. And she was like, well, you know, you do the financials, I'll do the family home mom life in, in Jersey. Well, now that she gets divorced, she's like, I want to get back into publishing. I want to go and be, you know, work in publishing. So she goes and tries to interview a bunch of places, but no one will take her because no one's going to hire a woman in her forties with little to no experience. So while interviewing, um, with this one publishing house, which is supposed to, you know, it's, uh, the publishing company is called Empirical, but it's, you know, just supposed to be like any other big publishing company. Uh, you know, the woman mistakenly is like, oh, well, you know, you young kids out of college. And she goes, yes, that's right. That's me, <laughs> young kid out of college. And so she basically lies and says that she's 26 instead, ends up getting the job. Uh, and it's, you know, hilarity and, you know, romantic comedy ensues over the course of of seven seasons of her basically hiding the fact that, 
she is a 41-year-old divorced mom, but pretending to be a 26-year-old millennial, and she ends up publishing this book called Mar Marriage Vacation. Uh, huh. She ends up, uh, her boss's ex-wife writes this book, and she ends up publishing it, and then she ends up sleeping with the boss, and it's a whole ordeal. Um, but the creators of the show actually wrote the book uh, as great. though it was from the thing. So I'm, <laughs> I'm currently reading Marriage Vacation, and it's fucking phenomenal. Um, uh, you know, just because it's, it's cutesy. Um, uh, yeah, but I surprisingly it. relevant, uh, to the episode too, because the, like, that's that kind of, you know, we, we talked about the overt casual misogyny of a lot of, uh, authors and, uh, and filmmakers and whatnot from, uh, like the, well, well, honestly, from any area, why, why am I trying to relegate to a specific time period? It exists. I mean, <laughs> um, but that's that like systemic level shit that women and non-men, uh, non-males deal with all the time. And like that shows itself in predestination uh, pretty heavily on uh, several occasions. Yeah, uh, very, very much so. Um, which is odd because there is a scenario of it. Uh, and although we learn that it's just a playing along Mm -hmm. I was like, you fucking know, though. Like, yeah. you know, and you still did a shitty thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I know that he was just trying to play along. So uh, so let's jump into it. Um, so, uh, the, you know, I'll be honest, the first time I when I watched the trailer for this movie and when the movie kicks off, I was like, got it. It's going to be like a time cop. Like, this, mm -hmm. this is just mm -hmm. time cop from a different perspective. It's time cop without martial arts. Got it. Great. Um, so that was my expectation right off the bat. Little did I know that this was going to actually create a paradoxical loop <laughs> in my brain of like, yeah, but if he, cause then she, but then how did she, but then you, uh, and I will say, though, that this is probably, you know, having not read the short story, this is probably the first time I've ever seen a scenario in which a, a person, let's say, or a timeline solely exists within itself. Uh -huh. Like, the entire start and end of this timeline is, you know, they, they even use this, uh, in, in the, in the show, but, uh, or in the movie, um, a snake, uh, eating its own tail and endlessly, you know, eating itself. Um, but the whole, the whole thing is contained within itself. Like you could remove yes. this timeline from all of history. And although, yes, it would affect some outside things, it exists cyclically within itself. And it's, it's fucking brilliant. And like, ow, <laughs> but like it left me in a different way than, um, you know, uh, I think, I think maybe it was Kevin who, when requesting this movie was like, oh, you guys watched shit. What was the name of that movie? The, um, primal uh, was like, Oh, you guys primer? watched, uh, primal. Um, so like, this is going to, uh, um, like you should watch this because it has that same sort of feel like there's that same sort of sense of, of how the film progresses. And, and I'll mm -hmm. agree, but I think it takes it one step further. Oh, it's, <laughs> I think it takes it more than one step. And there's a lot, um, of, there's a lot of steps. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, uh, the the movie is is intending to push the the boundaries of what the the rules of time travel are and what what a paradox is and you know how you know, the, there's this concept of uh, fixed events that have to happen uh, and will always happen like all of these things that you see pretty uh, consistently in uh, good time travel uh, yeah. 
bad time travel, just, you know, like, no fucking rules, just do it, which is also fine with me. Uh, right. I, let me get that out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, it was about, like I said, uh, actually, it was a little bit more than halfway through when Ellen finally picked up on the, the twist. Uh, the twist being, there is one character in this movie. The now, this movie, movie is about several characters. Uh, is about a, a young woman named Jane who was raised as a, an orphan in Cleveland uh, and who you know, like never never felt right in her, her own body. So like there's there's hints of and I don't trust Heinlein's uh, moral or like social consciousness enough to uh, believe that this was in any way intended to be. Uh, but there's hints of a, a transgender affirming story uh, in, yeah. in this movie, which I. Uh, it, it danced around being not okay, and we'll get to that. But like, there, there's enough of it that like felt like that. This is a, a movie that it it deals with the journey of of someone who's transgender in, in an interesting way. Um, there is a, the the barkeeper, uh, and there is um, the fizzle the, bomber. Yeah, the fizzle bomber. Yeah, um, this movie has one character. Yeah, and all three of the oh, and a and a missing child, and a missing child. That's right, a kidnapped baby. And all four of them are the same fucking person. <laughs> <laughs> they're all the same so fucking good. person. Played, uh, they're played by either Ethan Hawke or Sarah Snook, um, and uh, and then you know a baby uh, who was also played by Ethan Hawke. Very you know very <laughs> underrated yeah. actor. Uh, <laughs> so. The uh, the movie opens with a quote uh, that is something along the lines of, uh, oh, here, what, what if I could put him in front of you, the man that ruined your life? If I could guarantee that you'd get away with it, would you kill him? Uh, to which Ellen responds, that's a difficult question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that is a difficult question, but when when it's posed in the sense of time travel, because... He poses the question, but then once he explains it, he's like, oh, and by the way, when you do kill them, it will erase all of the bad things that have happened in your life. And then, you know, and then, of course, you know, he, he's proposing this question to uh, Jane or who's referred to as the unmarried mother. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she was she's like, oh, well, there's that added thing that changes everything because it's one thing to, for the sense of revenge, but it's another thing to be like. I will send you back in time and you can literally fix everything, everything bad that's ever happened in your life by doing this thing. It even says like, when you do this, this will course correct your life. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, Jane, well, I guess John at the time is, is struggling with that. Like, Oh shit, do I do it? You know, do, do I do this? Yeah. I mean, like I, as I am now ceased to exist, but all of this pain and hardship that I experienced resets. Reset goes everything. Away. Yep. Yeah, every bad thing that's ever happened, well, but you know, the bad things that have currently happened to you, more yeah. bad things will probably happen to you, but not the same kind, especially when you you we hear about the story of <laughs> uh of the unmarried mother 
you know, Jane sits down and, and, you know, he, he, or John sits down and he explains everything that he explains his whole life. And actually the majority of the film is the backstory of Jane becoming John. Um, Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, we hear about, you know, uh, her being, um, well, let's start, let's, let's jump back to the, because the thing happens with Ethan Hawke first, and then we'll jump to the story of Jane and John. Um, So the first big thing that we see is Ethan, uh, uh, the barkeep, Ethan Hawke is sent off on a mission. Um, we see him, you know, or, or we see an agent, let's say, um, mm-hmm. uh, trying to basically defuse a bomb while also being attacked by the supposed bomber. Um, and they, you know, somewhat contain the bomb, but the bomb does kind of burst up in their face, burning their entire face and skin, all their hair off, their whole face. Um, and they end up getting saved, you know, and they they time travel back. Uh, they, uh, you know, get to their time. Um, where, you know, doctors come and they save him and, and he goes through extensive plastic surgery and, you know, he's like, hey, listen, you know, you've gone through all the surgery, you know, we we did what we could, the skin grafts are happening, but you will not look the way you think you will, mm-hmm. but you will be healed and things will be okay. But it, it's you, also you're not going to look the way you thought you did. It's important to, to take note that the doctor also warns that... Uh, the agent's vocal cords were damaged, so he's not going to speak the same. Right. Uh, <clears throat> to which he makes a you know a wry little comment like, "Oh, there goes my singing career." Yeah. Um, yep. But you uh, can tell like he's he speaks in a you know, deep kind of gravelly voice. Uh, the implication being that he didn't sound like that before. Right. 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 Yeah. So so that is our our premise, and then we see you know we see periodically Ethan Hawke um, uh, heal to look like Ethan Hawke. So now he looks mm-hmm. like Ethan Hawke. And, you know, he's talking to uh, one of the agents who is Mr. Robertson. Um, and he's like, hey, you know, listen, man, like we're going to send you on this other mission. But like, remember, the rules are if you fail, like you die, you get erased from the timeline or whatever, you know, whatever it is. Like that's that's like the rules of this agency that he works for. So the time Vorpal something agency or whatever it's it's called uh, that he works for. Are um, you thinking of the the TVA? I was thinking of the TVA. It's not the TVA, <laughs> but it's a, it's a something like that. It's he very said, similar. It's called, very it says similar something concept. like that. Yeah. Um, Which, if you're not familiar with what we're talking about, uh, you haven't watched uh, the first few episodes of Loki yet. Uh, and if this kind of thing is your jam, then you should probably get on that. You should totally get on watching Loki. Yeah, there's only three episodes left. Like, start watching it now. Um, yeah, oh, it's a short series. Yeah, six only six episodes, but they're hour longs, which is slightly different than. Um, oh, okay, that's fair. how. Uh, or Falcon and Winter Soldier, I think, was hour long, but Wanda was only thirty minutes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, six episodes, only three left. Um. Uh. So anyway, so so we've got that established. So now we see him as a barkeep. He, you know, it's nineteen seventy four or five ish or something like that. Uh, nineteen seventy. Just oh, it's, nice. Oh, it's just nineteen seventy. Cool. Yep. And so it's 1970, we see, you know, on the news, you know, the TV hanging up that the fizzle bomber strikes again and blah, blah, blah. And in walks John, um, who is uh, referred to as the unmarried mother, um, which we'll explain in a second. Uh, And so John sits down at the bar, you know, and, uh, you know, Ethan's uh, serving the people and, and, you know, uh, so Ethan Hawken and John uh, start chatting. And John's kind of snippy with him, you know, mm-hmm. very, very harsh, very like, uh, 
um, uh, abrasive uh, uh, with with Ethan Hawke and Ethan Hawke, you know, a couple times like, hey, man, like, chill the fuck out, dude. You know, like, yeah. I'm just just making conversation. Uh, and they get to talking and they eventually get to a point where, uh, you know, they're they're just talking about their lives and stuff. And John brings up the fact that he is the writer for this series called The Unmarried Mother. And that mm-hmm. is uh, a series of basically like, uh, housewife stories. Like it's stories written by and designed specifically for housewives to, you know, it's just, they're like trash romance novels, basically. Yeah. I call them uh, confession like, stories. Yeah. It's, it's old, it's pulp, yeah. uh, which again is, is really, there's a lot of little nods throughout the, um, throughout the movie to the source material and specifically to the author that we'll, we'll kind of touch on periodically. But, um, Heinlein was, doing most of his his writing came really came to, to fame uh in the area when like pulp fiction like pulp productions uh were huge in fact that's i think like, how he got a, a lot of his uh, early start just like asimov and a lot of other uh sure. sci-fi and adventure writers from the time uh so it's kind of cool that like that's part of this i cannot i don't remember enough details about the original novella to know uh if the story of the unmarried mother is part of it um I wouldn't be surprised, but uh, if yeah. not, it's a clever nod to say, like, this person writes pulp, just like the author of the original source. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's that is interesting. Um, and so uh, and so, John begins uh, saying, so basically, like, they it, throughout their conversation, John basically gets to a point where he's like, listen, how about I tell you a story so unbelievable, you would never believe the story, and if I shock, if I tell you a story you would never believe... Uh, you know, this bottle of expensive liquor uh, is is on the house. Like this is this is what they agree to, and oh, you know, man. Ethan Hawke's like, you know, all right, dude, go for it. Um, John is drinking. If I remember correctly, it was called Old Underwear. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> just straight up. And he originally says, you know, you know, if if I can tell you that you know the story of your life, then. I get to, you know, the rest of this bottle. And the barkeep takes a bottle of Dewar's scotch uh, off the shelf and says, I'll tell you better. And if you if you impress me, then you can have this whole bottle. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, so we, we begin the tale of the, the unwed, uh, unwed mother. Of the, unmarried of, mother. Of the unmarried mother. So before we get into that, we're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. Uh, for those of you watching on Twitch, we're just going to sit here in silence for five seconds. For those of you listening <laughs> in podcast world, uh, first off, thank you so much for uh, listening. We super appreciate it. Don't forget to hit subscribe or follow whatever it is that is in your podcast player uh, of choice. Uh, and also, if you haven't subscribed to our uh, mailing list, uh, do that. We send out one email a week um, that basically just recaps the week. Uh, you know, we talk about all our upcoming events across all of our shows. So, you know, we we mention uh, like Set Condition 1, our Battlestar Galactica fan cast. Um, we talk about the Storyteller series, which is our audio drama podcast, which is full cast productions of short stories. So if yes. reading stories like pulp type stories are your thing, why not listen to them be pre- uh, uh, performed by uh, professional voice actors, right? And well, me. And Caleb. Uh, why not do that? Uh, and of course, all the happenings at Left of the Dial Live. Uh, we just had the Tisberries on uh, yesterday for you guys. Yeah. It was a week ago, if you're listening in Podcast World. Great um, show. It was a really great show. They did really, really well and debuted a brand new song. Um, uh, so uh, that being said, we're going to jump to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we are going to carry on with the story of the unmarried mother. If you're like me. 
You used to sit in your driveway for as long as it took to hear the end of whatever dramatic tale was playing out on public radio that night. The Storyteller series is a loving homage to that classic radio theater. Lose yourself in original short stories, performed by a full cast or delivered by a narrator, and designed to take you on an audible journey. The Storyteller series is a night shift radio original and is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Can't get enough? Or maybe you prefer the written word? Be sure to check out our monthly print edition as well at nightshiftradio.com storyteller. Hey all, it's Michael Fight here, and I want to talk about Set Condition 1, Night Shift Radio's premier Battlestar Galactica fan cast. Join the crew as they quest for Earth one episode at a time. Newcomer Andrea and seasoned vets Caleb and Kitsy discuss the 2004 sci-fi series as they try to figure out who are the Cylons. I hear they look like us now. They just entered the last season of the series, so you've got tons of episodes to binge to catch up before the new series launches next year. Trust me, you'll want to binge when you start this series. Join them at Condition one throughout the podcast.com or wherever you get podcasts. Hello and welcome back, everybody. Uh, hi. Hi. So here we are. <laughs> uh, so we're going to jump into the story of uh, that John is telling the barkeep about the unmarried mother. Which I, I love the way that this begins because... Uh, John is male presenting and uh, is a man. Uh, Correct. Yep. But you, know, you can you can tell looking at John that it is Sarah Snook playing the the character. Like uh, you can you can still see her features through, um, which apparently it's about it was like four hours of makeup every day. Oh, I believe uh, that to to make her look like a haggard thirty uh, something man. Mm. <clears throat> But she begins, uh, sorry, he begins the story, When I Was a Little Girl, which the, the bartender feigns uh, surprise at. I say yeah. feigns because we know that he actually wasn't, um, but seems genuine at the time. And she's like, what? He's like, well, it's just that you don't. She's like, but in what? <laughs> and he's like, you never, never mind, finish. <laughs> or, you know what? Yeah. Uh, uh, s- so we get this story of... Her being uh, left uh, as a, a baby at an orphanage uh, and being raised with, with the name Jane. The foundling. The, she was a <laughs> she foundling. uses the term the foundling, and I loved that. Uh, and she makes a point to, to mention that you know, they, they had a, a, a doctor come and just you know, do an initial checkup, make sure that she was healthy and you know, she was fine. And the, uh, the doctor you know, says if she has a you know, prolonged cough, fever, or anything like that, make sure you get her to her hospital. But she says, you know, I, I never went to another doctor because I never got sick. Uh, you know, so I, I never saw another doctor until much later in my life. Hmm. Hmm. Could that be hinting at something? Uh, but, you know, she grows up, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, she she doesn't feel right within her, within her own body. She knows that something's different about her than the other girls. Um, you know, she, she's stronger, faster, whatnot, but she's also smarter. Uh, she, like... Uh, we see her kind of bored in class and the, you know, she's doodling, drawing and whatnot. And the teacher tries to be like, Oh, you'll never learn anything. She just like rattles off the answer without even looking. And she's just like, Oh, that's correct. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so we get this whole story of, you know, uh, you know, she, she talks about like people, like she stumbles into, you know, one of the, the people that works at the orphanage, uh, you know, uh, off having sex with another one of the male, um, you know, people. And, and she, she says like, you know, I, I watch this and like, 
you know, everybody seemed to be so fascinated with sex, but I didn't understand it. And I didn't really know, like, I just not saying that she necessarily didn't have, I'm saying she now, because now this is Jane that is speaking, not John, that she, um, didn't, didn't really like, not to the sense of like asexual, but just didn't understand it in the sense of like, I don't get the point. Like I have no interest in it. Um, and that, and, you know, so she, she goes about her school career, you know, she doesn't fit in, in all aspects, you know, out, you know, inside, outside, um, you know, she's fighting with kids. She's, you know, excelling way beyond, uh, you know, the level at which they're teaching. And she eventually stumbles into, uh, this program, um, where she can, uh, uh, we, we're approached by Mr. Robertson where Mm -hmm. he's basically like, Hey, I have this program for girls like you. Uh, it's called Space Corp or something. And yeah. basically what it is is we're going to secretly send you into space to, you know, uh, you know, it's to, you know, girls like you that are super geniuses, a high athletic, that sort of thing. And we're going to send you into space to basically figure out space before we send off, you know, our astronauts. You're basically undercover astronauts uh, in a way. Um, oh, interesting. I'm curious that that's the the takeaway that you had, because my impression was actually something darker uh, and that the intent was, you know, we're sending men to space and, you know, men can't be alone with their urges for, for too long. So we need to, we need women who have the, the endurance and the the smarts and whatnot to handle being in space. uh, But we need them there so that you can fuck the men. Oh, see, I, I took it (laughs) dark in the other way in the sense of like, you're the test subjects for like, I took it in the complete, like the other, other way, but Mm -hmm. yes, I could see that because they did say in the, she, she's in like a panel interview and, you know, one of them was like, you know, some people are tourists just thinking that they're going to go and snag themselves an astronaut husband, you know, Mm -hmm. at the end of all this. And she makes a really great comment. She says a tourist is a person who, you know, buys a yacht and tours halfway across the world so they could take a photo next to their boat. Mm -hmm. Um, She's like, I am not a tourist. And I think that was, that's a really great, um, that's a really great statement. Uh, Probably not as fitting for uh, 1963 or whatever this is probably more fitting nowadays, <laughs> but, uh, but yes, great, great line. Uh, absolutely That's, great line. Yeah. Like the, the writing in this movie tend, tends towards the, the good, uh, yeah. and like her lines, especially when she's being snarky like that are, are so great. Um, she makes a like, lot of really great comments that I'm like, well, <laughs> it was good. And even like her, her nonverbal parts, like, you know, the, the moment as a child where like she like is walking towards the, the ice cream truck and a car almost hits her and it's an old man who's yelling at her and cussing her out and she just fucking punches his headlight out yeah. and then walks away. Yeah, just dead ass staring at him like fucking fuck around and find out, like, which is great. Uh, and, you know, the so... To kind of go back on the on the transgender uh, aspect of this uh, of this film, I could see Robert Heinlein writing this movie and not thinking of it that way. Like seeing the entire transgender aspect of it is strictly science fiction and not mm-hmm. social commentary in any way whatsoever, mm-hmm. and like never even considering it. You know, just of like, oh, isn't this kooky? You know, uh, so we learned just a few seconds in just a few minutes that. Um, uh, Jane was actually born uh, internally with both male and female reproductive organs. Like the internally. whole set. Yeah, like, the whole set internally. 
like not necessarily like her her male organs are less developed yeah. uh, because you, you, she she fails out of the the space corps program because she gets in a fight with one of the other girls who again like we see like she doesn't get along with the the other girls uh here either no more than she did in school uh and she ends up you know she goes to to college and she ends up meeting a man this mis- mysterious person and they they have this brief tryst and then he he walks out on her one day just says you know i'll be i'll be right back and then he never comes back uh and she goes and like tries for a, another go at uh a similar program and she's like you know when my skirt started to get tight then i knew my future was over uh it's because she she was pregnant from this brief encounter she has the the baby by a cesarean, and afterwards the doctor comes and explains all of this to her. Like she had you know, the the two full sets of uh, male and female reproductive organs, and he's like, you know, all of the bleeding and the the damage from the pregnancy. We had to do a hysterectomy. We had to remove your your uterus and ovaries. But you know, I, I got a you know really great other doctor in. We did this you know multi hour consult surgery and. He was able to like you know fully rebuild you a male urinary tract and like it's like we're gonna have you know, there's gonna have to be more surgeries but you know we'll, like you're gonna be okay and she's just like what which like this is kind of the the one part where I say it gets a bit weird because she makes a point as in, in telling the story of her younger self how she never felt like herself she never felt right in her in her body in her skin which feels very much like uh, I what you would think of a story of someone who's come out as transgender and who's had the, well, maybe not had their surgery, but like someone who's come out uh, and expressed like, this is who I truly am. Uh, you would think that that would be that moment of like, wow, this, this makes sense to me, but she's kind of horrified. Uh, which I don't know if that makes more sense for the writing or if that's just bad writing or whatnot. I, I don't, I don't know. I still have to wrap my head around that. Um, but I, I think it's interesting that we we get to that moment. Um, honestly, like time travel and everything else aside, the most unbelievable part of this story to me is that in the '60s she goes to a, a charitable hospital and gets gender affirming surgery, right? For, <laughs> presumably for free, right? Uh, and as Ellen said, isn't like institutionalized for being wrong. <laughs> yeah. So like that, I, uh, that alone tells you that it was written from a, you know, a early 21st century uh, perspective and not from a, you know, Robert Heinlein in the, the mid 20th century perspective. Yeah. Well, so that again, uh, kind of goes back to my idea of Robert Heinlein writing this in a science fiction sort of way, because he would have, he's pulling out almost like, almost not thinking of the social commentary and just being like, yeah, isn't that fucking weird? Like, she had all yeah. the dude parts, so now she's just a man because science. Yeah. And I'm not thinking about the the how that impacts the people around the world because we don't actually see the impact of that on anybody. And, you know, as you yeah. say, people are very cavalier about it. They're like, hey, this is weird. We've never seen this before, but... I don't know, science. Now you're a, yeah. now you're a guy, and that's it. You know, it's like, oh, what? Okay. Yeah, the, <laughs> it's the doctor. Very that cavalier. She, she talks to is super, super casual about it, and like she's just horrified, and then you know, eventually comes to to comes to accept it. Like you can tell, it leaves uh, literal physical scars from the the surgeries, uh, but also you know, mental and emotional scars as she. You know, he now takes on the identity of John and tries to understand what it's like to be a different person, 
which I also think is interesting because even let's say that the the scenario where like there was an emergency and like in order to save her functional parts to make sure that she had a, a working urinary tract and didn't die, and they're like, okay, well we can salvage these male organs. She wouldn't have to change her entire identity to become a man if she if if right in. Like her heart, she she wasn't a man. She didn't have to become a man. So again, like that whole idea, like I, I think goes very much back to um, the you know, systemic uh, misogyny and oppression of women, where like that decision would be made for her. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's um, it's it's really weird, uh, you know. <sighs> You know, because we talk about like Jane not feeling right as a person, and mm -hmm. but she never, she never says like, "Oh, I was more like boys," or "I was more, I, I wanted to go play with the boys instead," or something like that. She even says like, "I didn't get along with the boys either." Like, there's yeah. a scene, you know, one of the last scenes we see is her as like a kid, is she's beating the fuck out of a out of the, out of a boy, like she fucking one shots him, like <laughs> so great, just knocks him on his ass, and it's a great scene. You know, so the idea is, is that she's, because I think like we're we're seeing it as like this, you know, gender, you know, sort of gender thing. But Heinlein wrote it, and I think you know the Spirit uh, brothers maybe wrote this as as a much larger picture, is that this character doesn't fit in because they literally shouldn't fit in. This person yeah. should not exist, and we're going to get into that. And it's not because of the male female parts at all. No. Zero no. to do with that. Just. In a larger timeline faction, nothing about this person should ever fucking exist. They are a literal paradox, which I think also is, you know, uh, kind of the metaphor of the male, female, like having both male and female parts, you know, mm -hmm. paradoxical. So again, Heinlein seeing it as a science fiction way of being like, isn't that weird? They have male yeah. and female parts, which we know scientifically fucking happens literally all the time mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and still happens all like this is not an uncommon thing. Uh, yeah. So it's just a really, you know, but in his mind, I'm sure he was being like, this is, never happens. This is crazy. <laughs> revolutionary thinking. Yeah. Um, speaking of Heinlein, uh, after John has, has had his, his full, you know, uh, transition surgery and is now living fully as a man. Uh, he tries to go back to uh, the Space Corps program as an astronaut rather than as the uh, fuck toy space brothel. Um, <laughs> and you know they 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 do him the courtesy of uh, of a physical exam, but it's really just kind of like the the doctor being more curious than anything he he goes into in the story uh, because they already have all the files. They know exactly who he is, uh, and the doctor that they um, have examining him is credited as Dr. Heinlein. And yeah. uh, it was cast as a man who looks reasonably, uh, reasonably close to the real Robert Heinlein. Oh, that's an interesting little, uh, yeah. a little nod to, to yeah. Heinlein on that part. And there's a, there's a couple instances throughout the, um, throughout the movie where you see uh, his novels laying around. Uh, there's a copy of Stranger in a Strange Land at some point. And I think maybe the, the Moon is a Harsh Mistress or something like that. There's just like a couple of his novels just there. That's cool. Uh, so you have these these little nods to, uh, to the source. Yeah. So uh, so at this point, you know, uh, uh, John is, uh, be, you know, kind of going through the things. And uh, Mr. Robertson pops back in and was like, hey, hey, John. So... Let me tell you what I really do. Hmm. And he's like, listen, 
you know, Space Corp is just uh, is just an, a company we use to actually uh, do these other things to to get these other uh, to basically find recruits for this other agency. And uh, so he he essentially explains that the other agency, you know, is is one that that might be interested um, in in recruiting John. So now we jump back to the bar. So at this point, Ethan, uh, the barkeep, has heard this whole story mm-hmm. and then drops the line uh, on uh, on John and says, you know, what would you do if I could put the man in front of you that ruined your life and you can murder him with zero consequence? And John's like, well, what the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, you know, listen, you know, and he starts name dropping pieces of John's, of John and Jane's past mm-hmm. that, you know, John is like, I didn't say, like, how the fuck do you know that? And he's like, come with me. Come with me. Which uh, I will say is the moment that I figured out the the bulk of the, the plot. Uh, that, as soon as he, as soon as he named John, because yep. uh, John never said his name out loud, um, only referred to him having been named Jane. Uh, and then like, you know, he then names, as you said, like the, uh, the person at the orphanage and a couple other people. Uh, and that was the moment I'm like, mm, got it. Yep. They're one in the same. Yep. Yep. Uh, that was, yeah, that was starting my moment where I'm like, okay, I got it. Cause that was where I was like, <laughs> of course the face surgery. Duh. Yep. Um, where I started to be like, gotcha. He's, he's hearing the story of his own life. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Ethan Ock takes John. So the barkeep takes John back into this, you know, back room of this bar, pulls out his violin case and like, listen, this is, this is what we can do pulls out two guns, explains the whole scenario. Like, I'm going to put you back in time and I'm going to put you in front of the person that ruined your life. You can murder them. There will be zero consequence. Here's the time travel thing. Here's, you know, what, you know, this is from Robertson, by the way. Like, oh, hey, by the way, I work with Robertson and this Mm -hmm. is all part of that. And John's like, holy shit. Like, so you're a part of Robertson. You were sent here to help me basically to try to recruit me. And we're like, yeah, consider this an audition basically. Mm-hmm. So they jump back in time and this is where it gets really fucking weird and mind blowing is so uh, John, you know, uh, the barkeep puts him back in time and it's 1963, four ish or whatever. Yeah. And sets him up and is like, listen, this guy is going to come up here. Uh, he's going to uh, stop. Your job is to stop them, to stop him. That's your job. He's like, mm-hmm. so here's where you're going to stand. Your job is to prevent that person from coming and impregnating Jane. You know, and that's going to basically stop your life from being ruined. Like, you will remain Jane, basically. Mm-hmm. And so John is like, all right, great. So he's standing there, and doesn't he motherfucking bump into Jane, and they reenact the exact scenario that Jane explains of how she met the man mm-hmm. who impregnated her and then bounced. Uh, and then Which, the end of that story is her baby gets stolen, by the way, from yes. the hospital, too, by a man with a face. A man with a face like yours and mine. Yeah. Which <laughs> is a great line. It's a great line, because it just Absolutely great. layers. Uh, but you see it click as soon as like she bumps Jane from, from the passage bumps into John. Uh, you realize that like, this is the moment she described where she was running through the rain and bumped into someone. And then like it, you see it click in John's head, like shit, that was me. Yep. 
the whole f- and uh, it is something to point out that during uh, the time in which uh, the barkeep and John are having the story John doesn't even say oh yeah and I found out today that I'm no longer shooting blanks uh, no, so yeah. Uh, so, you know, the barkeep shakes his hand and says like, Hey, you know, uh, let me welcome you to the tribe. Then you, she's like, you know, John's like, I'm, I am a fully functional male. And, and the barkeep's like, let me welcome you to the tribe. I love how every detail that you need to piece this story together is presented to you. If you're paying attention, Yep. every little detail and like, like nothing is wasted. It's like, Oh, it's. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, the 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 one thing that I, I think is a little bit off uh, is you would think that John would remember the face of the man that ruined his life and realize that he's seeing it in the mirror every day. But trauma can do many things, as can time. So I'll allow it. Well, so the thing is, is like uh, I I'm gonna say no because. Probably the trauma thing. Uh, yeah, so I guess it's the trauma thing. But John does actually call that out. So, and there's even a scene where he's he's looking at his scar, basically looking at his naked body for the first time. He's got the scars. You know, he has a penis. He's staring at his face, and you still see that he's uh, that he's still recently had surgery. And he says, like, you know, uh, I I didn't remember even what I looked like as a girl. Like he even says, like I don't remember seeing myself as Jane. There are no photos of me. He's like, so I know what it felt like, but I still don't know what I look like. And he even says, like, hell, when I look in the mirror now, I still don't even recognize who I see. Like, so he still makes the statement of, like, you know, like, I'm still not even used, you know, I don't even feel like Jane, but I still don't even feel like John because I don't even know who that person is. Like, he makes that sort of statement. That's why every detail of this film matters so much. matters Uh, so much. Because he he does make it a point when he's telling the story uh, of his childhood to say like there are no photos of me so I don't remember yeah. uh, and so when we see this this loop around where he's John and Jane bumps into him he says like you look different than I imagined and she's like what does that what does that mean have we met before no sorry I don't know why I said that just you're you're really beautiful and like it's he's seeing himself but he's he's it's like he's meeting himself for the first time uh, which, which he is. <laughs> He is, and in some ways, it's 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 kind of a, a beautiful story of, of self affirmation, even though it probably shouldn't be in the context. Uh, but this chance of like seeing oneself, you know, from a time period when you were incredibly awkward and uncomfortable, and like didn't feel like you belonged, and then being able to look back and see yourself then and say like, no, like you were beautiful. Like, yes. And that's actually really kind of heartwarming. And and it is. And again, it speaks to that, that idea of, of gender affirmation and transgender, you know, of looking back and being like, yeah, this person was beautiful, but who I am, you know, but it wasn't who I am now. Like, you know, seeing Mm -hmm. that sort of like, yes, I I can still recognize the fact that, you know, uh, every, you know, the steps that I made to get to where I am today. Yeah. So, so John is having that moment of realizing that he is the guy mm-hmm. that ruined his life. So he completely falls in love with Jane. They have sex. They have a baby. And uh, we learn that the barkeep, uh, Ethan Hawke, is the person who takes the baby. 
and uh, and <laughs> and takes it. Well, we're gonna learn that in a second. So, mind you, while all this is happening, there's this underlying plot of the of the fizzle bomber. Basically, uh-huh. this person that is going around and bombing uh, New York, uh, New York City, and um, you know, we learned that the fizzle bomber is gonna kill tens of thousands of people. That they're gonna level blocks and blocks and blocks of New York City, uh-huh. um, and that is a, that is a thing that essentially we think that is connected somehow. So either, you know, at this point in the story where where we see that John and Jane have now met and Ethan Hawke has kind of facilitated this, this thing, we're basically left to one of three conclusions. Either Jane is the fizzle bomber, John is the fizzle bomber, or the barkeep is the fizzle bomber. And you would be right no matter which one you were thinking at the time. Uh, so, which is just fucking great. It's, it's, it's also uh, worth mentioning when uh, the moment comes for John to leave Jane in, in his loop around uh, where now he's, he's playing the part of the man who ruined his life. And uh, like he sees the barkeep. Uh, off in the distance and goes over to talk to him and like pulls his gun and is like you you know you set me up you motherfucker uh not in those words but uh, that's you know the gist of it yeah and the the uh he's like you know i i love her and the barkeeper was like yeah i know and I'm like i do too and I'm like now that you know who she is you understand who you are and maybe you can start to understand who i am because they're all the same all the fucking same person but 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 it gets better because the barkeep does go back again to uh the hospital and we learn that he's the one who kidnaps the baby again a face like you or me uh Mm -hmm. great Mm -hmm. great foreshadowing there yeah he takes the baby he goes back in time to 1945 to the cleveland orphanage and drops the baby off there boom the cycle starts Oh, he's the baby. <laughs> but the baby is Jane, who is John, who is the barkeep. Who is the barkeep? Who is who the, is fizzle, the bomber. fizzle bomber? So, uh, so basically, the barkeep goes back and is like, okay, everything's set in motion. Like, I'm ready to be decommissioned. This will, and you know, uh, Robertson's like, okay, this is your last mission go and do this. So, you know, Robert, uh, uh, um, the barkeep gets sent to, uh, 1975. This is the mm-hmm. 1975. So he gets sent to New York, 1975 to basically just retire. Like his, yep. this is where he is going to just stop existing, uh, or just, you know, live out the rest of his life as just some random person in, in 1975. Um, but he knows that the, um, that the bomb is going to go off basically, and, and is going to decimate, uh, 1975. So he opens up his little file um, as he's about to do it, and he sets his little his little time travel thing to decommission, and it says decommission, but then it flips over and it says error. And he's like, <laughs> what the fuck? So he opens up his file thing, and there's some things circled on it that says, like, track the purchase order number. These are all the items for the fizzle bomber. These are the things basically to track the fizzle bomber. And he goes to this laundromat at one in the morning to basically meet who the fizzle bomber is, and lo and behold, it is... The barkeep, but much older. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, meets him and he's like, What the fuck? Like he's like, You killed 
thousands of people, tens of thousands of people. And the fizzle bomber explains that like, Hey, don't you remember way back, you know, after you had your surgery, uh, uh, after your face got all burned that they said to him like, Hey, you time travel a lot and it could result in psychosis. Mm -hmm. Like you should probably think about retiring. Like you are one of our most decorated agents. You do this a lot. And he's like, you know, he's like, but you don't understand. Like, I am doing this to save people because like I bombed this building and the person that was in that building went off to go kill 3000 people. But now they can't do that because I killed them in this bombing. Mm -hmm. I'm about to go kill uh, this other bombing thing. And you don't understand like this person's going to go off and kill 6000 people. And this person's going to go off and kill 5000 people. Or this is going to result in an oil spill, which is going to, you know, decimate the this this entire country or something. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you don't understand. Like you, you, he's like, we do this all the time. Like you come here, you meet me. He's like, but you, you if you kill me, you're still going to become me. And he's like, uh, boom, 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 just fucking kills him. Knowing full well that he is going to become the fizzle bomber. Um, oh my God, this movie is fucking wild. Who, what sort of psychopath writes this movie and then is, or writes this book and then is like, yep, this is the one. This is what I'm going to fucking put out there and people are going to read it and just be okay. Because <laughs> I'm not okay. <laughs> I'm not oh okay. Oh my God. I loved this story. I love this concept. Uh, and the the paradox should should twist my brain in knots and it should absolutely not make sense but it makes perfect sense to me and i don't know what that says about me yeah i mean it delights <laughs> me to no end i will say i mean obviously the the paradox aspect of it is it's even it's even like hard to explain how does jane exist in the first place if she was created by her having sex with herself mm -hmm. and then stealing herself and putting her up for adoption. So like, how? So <laughs> what I, I think has how? to happen in a seemingly self-contained paradoxical time loop like this is that, uh, you know, Jane, the, the person originally existed and like was a, a woman who, like gave birth to a child and then like at some point the 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 time travel agency set these events in motion i don't i don't know like that that is the the part that like if you think too hard about how did it begin you're gonna hurt yourself yeah uh, but the the loop itself is closed so perfectly and so beautifully that it's just mm, mm, chef's kiss yeah so it's jane's put up for adoption <laughs> grows up ends up uh having a having a fling with a guy giving birth to a baby forcing her to have gender reassignment surgery to become john john then gets recruited by the time uh cop agency uh mm -hmm. chasing after the fizzle bomber uh who after a run in with the fizzle bomber burns all of their uh basically burns themselves so badly that they have to have plastic surgery who ends up looking like Ethan Hawke who mm -hmm. then then eventually becomes the fizzle bomber who is the person that burned <laughs> fuck <laughs> but is also the the person who sent Jane back in time to the orphanage to begin with 
Yeah, so As the, he the baby. It was but also is responsible for introducing John to Jane, which is the person who gives birth to Jane, setting the entire cycle in motion. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh so should you watch this movie? Yes, and I'm yes. I am blown away that more people have not watched this movie. I am really surprised that this movie did as poorly as it did. The only thing I can think of, this is 2014. I mean, mm-hmm. it came up to, you know, I think it came up against the Avengers. Uh, you know, so like this movie got buried in the Marvel verse, as a lot of probably films like this did over the past, you know, 12 years or so. Um, I'm pretty sure the first Avengers film came out in, uh, 2014 or 2012. No, but, uh, big releases um, that year. Uh, Interstellar came out that year. John Wick, uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Oddly enough, Interstellar, Uh, another time travel film. Yeah. Uh, With a loop like that. Bunch, a bunch, a bunch of stuff. Uh, Ex Machina, The Giver. Oh, The Giver. Oh, yeah. Ex Machina too. What a great film. Um... Uh, Dracula Untold. <laughs> I saw that Edge in the theater. Of, Edge of Tomorrow was, was uh, a Edge of Tomorrow, race. another great time travel film. Yeah. Imitation Game. Uh, it mm. Follows, a, a movie we've talked about a couple times. Yep. Uh, Fault in Our Stars, Lucy, American Sniper, Kingsman Secret Service, Guardians of the Galaxy, and oh, uh, yeah. Godzilla, Gone Girl. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, fucking forget it. This movie didn't have a chance. Yeah. <laughs> like, so Gone there's... Girl alone just fucking annihilated. Like, Gone Girl, and I guess Guardians of the Galaxy, because it was a huge hit. But fucking Gone Girl was like Oscar, multiple Oscar winner. It was all anybody talked about for a year and a half. Ben's a- so... Ben Affleck's dick will do that. Uh, <laughs> that's the moral of this story. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a pretty big year, so that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. But uh, so you know, should you watch this movie? A hundred percent. There is no yeah. question in my mind uh, that this is a movie that you should watch. It, it is a fantastically written movie. It is a fantastically directed movie. Everybody's performance is fantastic. Sarah Snook is fantastic in this movie. Sarah Snook is standout to me in this movie. Ethan Hawke obviously does a good job as well, but Sarah yeah. Snook is is standout in this film. Yeah, I mean, Ethan Hawke gets top billing in this, understandably, yep. but the, this movie is Sarah Snook's performance. Oh, 100%. Like, I mean, hands down, like, considering this is her she performance. plays 66% of the characters <laughs> in this movie, um, yes, she is, uh, absolutely. Um, so, again, this movie is streaming for free on Tubi TV. You can just go to tubitv.com, uh, type in the name of this movie, and just watch it. Just that easy. You don't have to, mm-hmm. you don't even have to sign up if you don't want to, um, you know, uh, but, you know, that, that's how easy it is. Um, yeah, so time travel month, we got a whole month of, uh, time travel films, uh, and we do have some that are, uh, that were requested, uh, so that will probably bleed into August. Um, but, uh, July is going to be a wild month. I think next up we have, uh, if I remember correctly is time warp. Oh, let me see. I was just looking at the list earlier. It is, yep, Time Warp. Time Warp, which is going to be uh is going to be a wild one. Uh I'm excited. I think it's going to be terrible, uh but it's uh it's going to be pretty fun, so I'm excited to check that one out. Um and of course, if you want a kind of preview of all the films we are uh discussing this month, if you head over to nightshiftradio.com and into our blog section, um uh, for those of you watching on Twitch, this will actually happen on Wednesday. For those of you listening to this episode, 
live on or uh, on Sunday. It happened this past Wednesday. Um, but there'll be a little brief description of all the films we are watching this month uh, with links to trailers. But where else could you see that information, Caleb? Well, you can head right directly to thenahoyt.com. Uh, where we have our upcoming schedule of episodes for the month uh, with links to trailers as far as where you can find the movies streaming. I like to I like to drop a link directly to the movie so you can just click and start watching if uh, if you want, especially with Tubi since there's no sign-up required. Uh, and then, of course, we've been talking about listener requests. Well, just below that uh, schedule of episodes is our contact form where you too can make a request and we'll add it to the list and we'll uh, we'll talk about it. Yeah, so and got, even if you aren't in the band U2, you can also uh, <laughs> still request. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, as I mentioned, we got a bunch of really great requests. This came from from two listeners, uh, so we're really stoked about that. Uh, and we had just a, a, a bunch of rapid-fire requests uh, after uh, you know th- this past week. Uh, so we're very much looking forward to, uh, to uh, slotting those in and watching those. Uh, keep them coming. Keep us busy. I, you know. Less for us to do if we don't have to plan. You just do the planning for us. Yeah, literally. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm totally down for this. Uh, so there you go, episode, uh, guys. There's an episode, and we will see you again next Sunday. Hell yeah. father's tragic past, hidden in the adventures of a cartoon mouse. A cautionary tale on the dangers of temporal tourism. A woman searching for answers after the death of an old friend. This is the Storyteller series, a Night Shift Radio original. Every month we bring a new short story to life in a full cast audio drama. We publish a second exclusive story to our online print edition, and we give you a glimpse behind the pages with our author interview series. Subscribe to the Storyteller series wherever you listen to podcasts and visit nightshiftradio.com for more information. Mm-hmm.